Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Perfect road trip so far. Marty Baron for the Buffalo Sabres. 4-2-6-3-5-1 before heading into Seattle. How serious are you about this Sabres Live overtime? I'm really serious about this podcast, but when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports book in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest line and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Duffer, how about that for a tap in? That is a thrill of the win three times over, at least on this trip, and maybe the best assist <laughs> I've ever provided. A little handoff there for you to, uh, you know, capitalize. Look, Marty, you're one of 59 goaltenders to play for the Sabres in team history. You're fourth on the all-time wins list, well ahead of Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie. But both of those two are uh, nicely climbing right now based on the uh, terrific start to the season for both. Terrific. It started in the first game of the season, right, where Craig Anderson faced the Ottawa Senators and had multiple breakaways. And and Comrie played lights out against Florida, third uh, star of the game and a losing cause. But I think what we've seen now is how comfortable this team is with their goaltending. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they, they're, they're stealing games. Okay, they're stealing games, but you should. That's your job. You're a goaltender. I mean, I would love to get 55 shots a game and win the game 4-2 every night. Like, I'd probably still be playing Duffer if that was the case, right? So, and listen, I, I know, you know, goal save above expectation is a stats that I focus on a lot when it comes to goaltenders. Mm -hmm. And right now, when you look at Eric Comrie and uh, Craig Anderson, they are top five per game in goal save versus expectation. Craig Anderson is second in the NHL, according to Sports Logic. Eric Comrie is fifth. So they're both top five. Well, why does it have to change? Why do you have to think of it as a negative? Like, I love right. it. I think it's great that the Sabres are finally looking at having good, good goaltending, but also are embracing it and playing the game the way it should be played. Um, I, 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 I love it. Listen, they, they, I, I absolutely love it. They're obviously, again, it's super small sample size, so yes. it, we can only report on, on what we have. I guess if you were to say a bigger sample size is the fact that not unlike last year, they are allowing a lot more shots per game than what they're actually getting. So when you say they're playing the right way, I think we would all agree to a certain extent, but they need to do more to start getting it closer to even, quite well, frankly, right? Like, can they keep living on the 38-29 margin? Okay, so how about this one? Goals, ex expected goals per game, right? That's another big stat. You say, mm -hmm. according to the scoring chances and the value of all the shots that are taken in the game, what is your expectation of how many goals should you have scored and how many goals should you have given up? This is a tough five-game stretch that the Sabres played. Ottawa's a good team. They can score, and they're good. Florida is a great team. Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver is struggling, but four out of the five teams going into it, I would have said, well, they're probably better than the Sabres. But only in two games were the Sabres below the other team in expectation at the end of the night. Only against Florida, 
and the Oilers were the Sabres on the losing end of the expected goals at the end of the night when you look at it. So mm -hmm. it's not like they were on the losing end all five games and the goalies saved them. They actually, if you just look at expected goals, should be three and two. So it's not like they've got blown out, right? They're four and one. Yes, they saved the one against the Oilers. Eric Comrie in the third period gave them the win. But that's one out of five game that went the way the Sabres, not the other way. So I'm okay with that. If they go in the first 50 games mm -hmm. and 30 of the 50 games, they are ahead in the expected goals at the end of the game. I'm good. Absolutely. Now they're averaging 4.4 per game. They're giving up 2.2. Uh, both will uh, move presumably as the season goes along. Um, what might be the most intriguing statistic for you team wide right now? Oh, team wide. Uh, I, I like that against the Vancouver Canucks. And I'm only going to say that was maybe not against every other team, but against the Canucks, um, they were 8-1 uh, in third period high danger chances. 8-1. Mm -hmm. Look, the Canucks made a push, uh, and the Sabres were able to push right back in the third and say, we're going to take it to them. 8-1 high danger chances in the third period. That's not something that we saw against the Oilers, maybe not even against the Calgary Flames, but they adjusted. So mm -hmm. to me, that stats is good. And quickly, Duffer, just so that people understand that good goaltending also usually relates to teams that are winning and teams that are doing good last year in the NHL, seven of the top 11 teams, when you consider the goals versus expectations made the playoffs, the top team was the New York Rangers. They went to the conference final conference final. The fourth team was Carolina and they went to the second round, but didn't have Freddie Anderson uh, to play, and he was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh was fifth. They didn't have their goalies in the first round. They went with Louis Domingue, right? Nashville was seventh. Uh, they they lost to Colorado. Goalie. They didn't have their goalies either. Calgary went to the second round. They were ninth. St. Louis lost Bennington. They were 10th. Tampa Bay was 11th. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, that's normal. Mm -hmm. That's normal that teams should consider their goaltenders maybe their biggest asset to get success. So that, and last year on the other side, Toronto, Florida, Washington were 29th, 22nd and 21st. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know Toronto got out in the first round, Florida lost to Tampa and Washington out the first round. So not getting good goaltending, even if you make the playoffs will only cost you in the, in the later run. And I can hear the naysayers uh, suggesting with the Vancouver game that you just referenced, the fact that they dominated in the, you know, the, the that third period push area. Well, obviously, because Vancouver is getting crushed in third periods. Well, that's exactly the point. Yeah. If you know they've been getting crushed, keep crushing. Don't become the victim here. Don't become the outlier. Don't give them their first win. You know that that was my biggest concern going into the night was how yes. do you avoid being their number one, their first win of the year, <laughs> their their reclamation moment, right? You so. had such a hard time trying to come up with the right language to not make it a negative. But, but that's important as a team to say, hey. Let's embrace this. We're not going to be their first victim. And especially if we're up after two, we are not going to let them up. Jim Schoenfeld used to have such great one-liners, right? I, I don't know about as a player, but he was the assistant coach of the Rangers. And he came up in the second intermission one year and we were up by a goal or two. And he says, guys, you got the snake down. Now you got to step on its neck. You got to step on the neck, the skate's neck. Because if you don't, if you step on the tail or on the end, it's going to come up your pant leg, go up your.
this and boom, it's going to be like, and we were laughing. Like, we were like, what is he talking about? But that's the point of the whole thing. Like yeah. they were able to step on the next on the snake's neck in Vancouver. And that's something that was important. Yeah. And, and, and again, how they did it, you know, quick goal negated because it didn't go in and then immediately following <laughs> that up and, and, and then re- finishing ridiculously strong when clearly a, a, a white flag was being waved by Vancouver at that point, they just looked awful to finish that game. And, and again, full marks, you, you, you had your stats and you move on. And now it's Seattle, a team that just endured uh, a rather mm, difficult afternoon Sunday in Chicago when they allowed two and 13 seconds to go from advantage crack into uh, another loss, which is now two, three and two for them on the season heading into the game on Tuesday night. So we'll focus more on Seattle, obviously in the time ahead leading to puck drop, which is our last yeah. Sabres after dark for a while on Tuesday night. But, you know, within all of this, the easy starting point right now would be revisiting some of the magical numbers posted by Rasmus Dallin and Alex oh. Tuck, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pause on that oh. and okay. make sure that Enrique gets <laughs> as much love as humanly possible here on Sabres Live Overtime. Ecuadorian Enrique Enestroza, not Italian Vinny Enestroza. So uh, very interesting. And if you were watching the pregame on Saturday night, you learned something new about Vinny Enestroza, that Enrique is his middle name. That's his dad's uh, legal full name. I don't know what they call his dad, if he has a surname or something, but mm-hmm. that he uh, is technically his family is from Ecuador. So that was really, really cool to find out. And in the three games that Vinny Henestrosa has played on a line with Dylan Cousins and JJ Paterka, mm-hmm. they are the most consistent and all around good line with the Sabres. You yep. are using three players that Maybe last, well, last summer, you wouldn't think like, oh, those three are going to mesh, but they are fitting in really well. I wrote down a bunch of things about certain players on the piece of paper that I have in front of me right now. And really, the one thing I wrote about Dylan Cousins in Easy's Becoming, and we kind of hoped for that this summer, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know if it was going to come through. And we even talked about maybe Dylan Cousins should play the wing. Well, that got, that is for me, that's being squashed right now because mm-hmm. Dylan Cousins is becoming this great all-around player, able to provide offense, able to play a, a heavy game in the offensive zone and also be this force defensively, relied upon on face-offs by Don Granado. So I really think that with Enestros and Paterka, this could be a, a, a matchup uh, asset for the Sabres, especially on the road, to say, you know what? Like, we're going to pair you against top lines. And maybe we don't have to go Thompson against top lines. We can use Dylan Cousins and Estroza and Paterka as uh, that shutdown group that can also provide offense. High danger chances for differential, meaning the difference between the ones you're getting and the ones you allow. Paterka is plus nine Mm -hmm. in that regard. Cousins is plus eight. Hinestroza is plus six. They are by far the best trio that plays together on a regular basis. Vinny is 61.9% and the expected goals for percentage. Yeah. The best on the team. And obviously, Paterka, Cousins, and unsurprisingly, Rasmus Dahlin in that mix as well. And Vinny These played are... the three games, and two of the three games were heavily 
uh, out uh, shot attempted by the right. other team, which would mean that the numbers should be really negative in his case or in Dylan Cousins and Paterka's case. No, they were able to really flip the numbers, even though they were out uh, shot attempted in, in Edmonton and Calgary. I think it's super impressive. I know for some, they just sound like numbers, but, and, and maybe confusing ones at that, but all we're trying to do is, is simplify what you probably feel like you're seeing out there. And that is, wow, that's another good shift for this line. It's another good shift, but more importantly, maybe because you and I see it from the crease out an awful lot. Most importantly, it's not a bad shift. You know, you're not constantly being hemmed in. So that leads me to clean sheets guys with a zero right now in the goals against column at five on five. Okay. Rasmus Asplund has been on for six. Zero against mm-hmm. Henry Okiharu on for four, zero against mm-hmm. Olafson two and zero Quinn two and zero Opozo and Gergensen's one and zero considering a lot of those guys have seen a lot of ice time. I know it's only five games. It's still impressive to have a clean sheet. It's really impressive. I think Asplin has played himself into a very significant role. Again, he started on a line with Gergensen's and Oposo and was elevated to a different role when Quinn was taken out of the lineup. And then Henestroza mm-hmm. was added in. Like lines were sh- shift around a little, but Tuck went up to play with Thompson and Skinner. And there were some changes. But what we saw is Asplin's able to fit in in many, many different ways. And his place still the same. I have loved that. Um, you mentioned Yoki, are you um, look before the injury? He, he and power were power was dealing with some highs and lows and, but Henry was a, a steady presence. I, I felt for Owen power and hopefully will return um, in a shorter time frame. Uh, you know, that was pretty scary. Uh, we obviously saw Matias Samuelson go down too. So we hope that he returns in a shorter time frame as well. But right. you talk about all these numbers. Zemgus Gergensen's for me, even though it's a lower number, right? It's yep. two and zero, I think you said. One and zero. One and zero. Yep. Um, even though it's a lower number, like I wrote down Zemgus, his willingness to sacrifice himself again. Like this is just a, a leader. And one that two years ago when Kevin Adams extended Zimgis Gergensen to a contract, people were like, oh, my goodness, they're bringing the same people. And I was even in that category of questioning why bringing back Zimgis on on a I think it was a three year deal. And I'm thinking like at at a dollar figure that was well, obviously, it doesn't matter in Buffalo's cap situation. It was higher than what people would have perceived market value necessarily would have been. And I was one of those that were like, I don't like it. Like we're we're rolling it back with Zemgus Gergensen's and it was yeah, uh, and through no fault of his own, right? Like it, it was more just like you're looking at it from like. Well, it was like, like Drake Kajula, like and it was like everybody together. And I was yeah. thinking, like, it's just the same group again. Like, when are we going to move forward? But again, this team wasn't ready to move forward with new players. Now they made the Eichel trade, and obviously that brought Tuck in, Krebs, and Quinn and Paterka, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now you can see what Zemgus's spot on this team is. You can see what Caloposo's spot on this team is. Mm-hmm. But Zemgus's willingness to sacrifice uh, and, and it's, has rewarded him with a couple of goals already this year. Okay, so a week ago at this time, it was the pissed-off edition of Sabres Live Overtime, (laughs) and many are now wondering how significant was that game against the Panthers, the loss, 
but more importantly, what was being said after and whether that had anything to do with their approach moving forward. Because Don Granado was very, I don't want to say defensive, but he was very um, aggressive to a certain extent in his postgame answers when he thought a question or two were leading down a path that he was like, no, 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 it wasn't that, mm -hmm. it was this, and it was this and this, and it also mirrored what was being said in the room. So how... If at all, was that loss some sort of little early season unifying presence here for the group? Well, it is and it is. And I'm going to say it in two ways. It is because as as a coach, you have to use that emotion and guide it in the right way. So mm -hmm. I think that the Sabres were, were pissed off and upset um, because. Matthew Kachuk was running around and went lower bridge on Yucky Aryu. There was other incidents on the ice where there was some cheap shot happening. Uh, and they were a goal away from saying, we beat the Panthers. And Don Granado says, I can't wait to play them again, mm -hmm. which is the, the part that's the, the right approach to use like your, your emotions and put them in the right way. Now, the way that I feel like it didn't, affect them too much is because I take myself into my player's mind. When I played the game's over, it's over. You're done. Like you move on to the next one. You're not playing the Florida Panthers again for a while. You're moving on to the road trip. You got the Edmonton orders. You forget about it. I don't think the players took the ice in Edmonton on Tuesday night and thought we're still mad about Matthew Kachuk and the, the Florida Panthers and, and what happened? No, it was gone. But we, as analysts and fans of the Sabres and fans of the game, it stays with us a lot longer than it stays with the players. It, it doesn't stay in the locker room until you really learn from it. And I think the players really learn from it. One guy in particular, and I know you mentioned Darlene and the numbers and five uh, straight games with a goal. For me, the biggest thing about Darlene, and he is becoming a beep hole and I've already said the words, he's becoming an old to play against like he is. And that's what I like about him. Like he he's he's taken a penalty on a trip that he didn't like it. And he comes right back on put goals in and he gives him a shot. Right. He's becoming that pass to play against with the high talent level. Like that's the pissed off edition of Rasmus Dahlin that I love right now. Uh, anything else you would like to say about Dahlin and or Tuck or we're we just going to save that for Tuesday night? Tuck's a beast. Tuck is a beast. Like I feel that when he wants to, and he's shown it now in five games this year, um, he can't be touched, right? Like he has the puck. He's strong on it. He's in front of the net. Nobody can cover him. Nobody can move him out of the way. He's got speed through the neutral zone. Nobody can skate with him and be strong with him like he is. Mm -hmm. um, there was a player I played with, and I know people are going to say, oh my gosh, can't say this name. Um, I'm going to say this guy's name, but I think Tuck is like 10 times what this player was. It was Chris Gratton. When Chris Gratton was here, Lindy Ruff used to say to Gratz, you could be a point of game guy. You're so strong. Nobody can, you're, you have the, you, you can skate, you're big, you, you have a great shot. Why don't you feel confident in yourself to be able to do it? Right. And Gratz was always like, is my shot that good? Like, am I strong? Like, it would be like, Dude, you're a beast, but he had zero confidence and was never able to get to that point. I see the confidence in Tuck now that is like he's that same guy, big, strong, fast, good shot, but now with confidence. So I say he's a beast. Um, 
more numbers on Darlene and Tuck to come. That'll be on our Tuesday pregame for sure. Both have absolutely ridiculous shooting percentages right now, but there are some who don't have any endearing numbers at this point in time. How comforting is it for those players right now, given that the team is four and one? Well, it, it is comforting because you um, can handle the tough going personally a lot better when your team is winning. Uh, Jeff Skinner is one of those that is struggling to find a rhythm right now. Uh, he did hit a post. I think it was against the Oilers, maybe he hit a post or maybe it was the Flames. Anyway, oh, the Flames because they had like four in the one. Period yes, you're right. Yeah. They did. A, it was a post against the Flames. They had three crossbars, I believe, in that game. One was Tage Thompson that did not count that they turned the light on, but Skinner is looking to find himself. But I feel like Thompson is right there and talk is a beast. So it's helping Skinner get back to where it needs to be. Uh, I was happy to see Victor Olsen get two goals late in the game against the Vancouver Canucks. He hadn't really shown anything, but Victor is who he is. He's a goal scorer. Mm -hmm. I, I get mad when I say, Oh, win a battle on the wall. Oh, like, but in the end of the day, Again, I'm going to compare Victor. I almost think like he's Miro Shatan in a way where Miro would come off the ice after a game without have a beat of sweat on his head and would have had two goals. Yeah, maybe it's in a 6-1 win where he had the fifth and sixth goal, but Miro had the talent. You gave him one chance. It was in the back of the net. Didn't win all the battles on the wall. You know, sometimes didn't, didn't really block shots or defensively was not really, you know, his forte, but but he was who he was and you needed to appreciate him for that. I think Victor is kind of like that right now. Um, I think we, there's still more that Victor needs to give, but he is, who he is, he's going to, mm -hmm. he's got four goals, two empty netters and two late in the Vancouver game. Yeah. So it is what it is, but he still can score. He's got four goals in five games. He's got four goals. It's, 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 it's pretty darn good. How ridiculously good is the East compared to the West? The, 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 like it's, Oh my gosh. Like Even it's so... teams that are, um, you know, at the bottom of the East right now, they're six points away from the top teams, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's three games. It's really three games away. Uh, so Montreal that we thought, oh, Montreal is going to struggle, but they're not struggling. Uh, Pittsburgh is, is hey, pushing with the we stuff. I never said they were going to struggle. You know that. I know. I, no. So, okay. I thought Montreal was going to struggle and Thank they could you. very well struggle. Uh, at some point this exactly. year, who knows? Yes. But the East is where last year, eight teams, a hundred points made the playoffs and the rest of the conference was like, Pleh. now you've got everybody scrunched together yes. and, and playing competitively. Columbus could be in a much better place if they hung on to some lead or whatnot, or had good goaltending, their goaltenders at the very bottom. So there's a big difference right there. Ooh, where's Leakins? Yeah, struggling. Really struggling, huh? Mm -hmm. I know it's tough. It's tough to watch when I'm, I'm sure you feel it. Certain guys, you look at their game and you know, you just go, you hope it bounces back for them. You just hope that you bounces back. But at the same time, like this is a couple of years that we're seeing it on Merzlikens and you know, he needs to be able to take the bull by the horn. Yeah. Um, so you have three stars since I have three stars now. because we're going to talk gold, but because we talk goaltenders, I'm going to tell you three goaltenders that have impressed me at the start of the season. So in their records and their goal save above expectation and all that. So third star is Jordan Bennington. Look, he, he was taking a backseat to Ville Uso last year. 
came through late in the season, got hurt, Nazem Kadri in the playoffs, but his start to this season with St. Louis, wow, fantastic. Second star, Carter Hart. Now, I know this is John Tortorella defensive system, but Carter Hart made a change in his equipment this summer, trained differently, has come, and has played really, really well for the Flyers to start the season. And my number one star, well, He's following up with his performance in the playoffs last year, losing to the Calgary Flames, but was unreal is Jake Ottinger. I think oh. at this time, Jake Ottinger is probably the best goaltender in the NHL uh, after the first couple of weeks of the season. All right. Can I spontaneously quiz you on the high-end goalies you are most concerned about right now? Ooh, high-end goalie. I am most UC Soros. I'm a little Thank concerned you. with ding, UC ding, Soros. Ding, 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 ding. So, yeah, oh gosh, he was six last trouble. year in goal save above expectations. Uh, and this year is low on the uh, totem pole. Yeah, it's been it's been really really hard to watch. But uh, honestly, Marty, like, and again, this this I don't want to say it happens every year, but when when you have the kind of summer that it was for res- unrestricted, you know, goalies, guys that didn't have Vesna type resumes get elevated and with that elevation comes even more pressure and i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys that are having a tough time right now finding that you know what they were really hoping would be a terrific rhythm right out of the blocks and again jacob markstrom luckily won against carolina but they were down to nothing on saturday night in colorado or campbell and edmonton guys like that even kemper i mean he's got the cup ring so he deserves all the accolades but it's not been it's not been a smooth transition right so mark andre flurry in minnesota that is a tough transition too (laughs) yeah that oh no are you still there i'm still here okay I got a I got a upgrade message from from Zoom on the screen there. So I yeah. Well, maybe we got to turn. Maybe we got to end this because we're going to be cut off so soon. I probably. have a little panic parole moment. All right. Um, we will indeed um, be looking forward to how this trip ends, but we'll leave it on the last note, which is unknown at this time, other than the fact that Yokoharu's home in Buffalo, Samuelson obviously is out now as well. Lawrence Pilot very likely comes into the lineup. You've got Clegg up from Rochester. How do you think this group can navigate in the short term on the blue line? I think they can navigate. Uh, Dowling and Power will take a bigger role. Labushkin's played really good, so I think they can handle that and maybe give a little bit less ice time to Pilot and Fitzgerald's played well. Bryson's look good, so they can navigate. And, and Seattle's got some good offense. They got trouble in the net. So that's one game. And then let's see when you come back home, how things shape up. So one game, one game. That's all you have to navigate right now. When they get home, it'll be Montreal, Chicago, and Detroit, a trio of games at KeyBank Center. Thanks for being with us on Sabres Live Overtime. We'll see you on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG on Tuesday. 